Hi everyone, I'm George. And I'm Charlotte. And you are now listening to the Talking About podcast by Maison de Chou. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure Um, to be here. Thank you. Well, how are you feeling? Yeah. How am I feeling today? Yeah. Uh, I'm feeling pretty decent, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Can't complain too much. Your journey was not too stressful. No, I wasn't too stressful. I'm a Londoner, so I'm used to (laughs) to stress. I'm used to far more stressful journeys than that, trust me. I was stuck in a tunnel once for an hour. Uh, between oh, Stratford so between Stratford and Mile End so was that I. was horrendous and at the same time it was like I was coming home from working in a pub and so at that time everyone was pissed on the train mm. oh the sesh train okay. that's it the worst it was in the middle of a tunnel <laughs> when you're sober on the sesh train that's the worst someone threw up sesh train. someone threw up oh no and then so by the time we'd come out of the tunnel she was sober that's how long we were in the tunnel wow the, we the, had do you, ever, do you ever seen that film Creep the horror film no. Do you know, like, yeah, she's on a train. Like, that was the vibe when I was in this train tunnel, yeah? Because it was just black outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was getting, like, I'm calm with, like, stoppages. And it was getting to, like, half an hour. I was like, wow, this is, we've, we've been here oh, no. been a while. And then it was getting longer and longer and longer. And I was like, are we ever going to get out? Are we going to get, like, <laughs> pulled out of the tunnel and walk? But I didn't realise that the length of tunnel between Stratford and Mile End is, like, the longest on the central line. Oh, God. So then the train announced, the train driver had to come through the train. And he was like talking to people. There was people hyperventilating. There was like, ba- and it was like 30 really? degrees on the train. There was like babies on the train. Oh. Someone was, cr- yeah, uh, ish. Mm. Um, and then and then he was like, right, so we're going to have to drive. So the train at Stratford is going to have to drive another train into it to knock it forwards. <laughs> and oh, it's then, actually stuck. Yeah, it was actually stuck, yeah. And then we eventually were crawling along about an hour, an hour, about an hour afterwards. And we were like crawling on like five miles an hour into Stratford. <laughs> oh and then like, the, then like the police came on to offer water bottles. <laughs> and then I had to get off a Leytonstone because the train terminated there and I had to get a cab home. So oh, I got the train at seven and I got home at like 20 to 11. Oh, <laughs> it's no. a 40 minute journey. Oh, it's so oh, but good stories. Good yeah. stories. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, there's a, my family. Do you know my family, the program? Mm. You know, they, they, a, there was an episode of that. They get stuck on the train. The whole episode is just them on the train. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty good. So when did you start experiencing anxiety? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Looking back, I probably started experiencing anxiety from the age of about seven. Mm-hmm. So very young. Um, and I say to people that if I hadn't have been bullied, I probably would still have some f- low form of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I would still have panic attacks or anxiety attacks, but I don't think they would be as strong as they are. Yeah. I think the bullying very much exacerbated that and triggered it to a level which was very severe. Mm. Um but yeah, I think for me, it was definitely about seven years old that I started experiencing it. Did you? Was it your mum and dad, or that sort of realised that you were very anxious? No, or was it you as no, well? no, absolutely not. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, a lot of people used to think I was just a stressor, like I just worried mm. a lot, mm. and I probably did. I probably did worry a lot as a kid, but no, no, no one ever knew that what I was experiencing was actually anxiety. I mean, the mental health conversation. So what was I? So I was so I was born in ninety four. So I was about what was it like two thousand, two thousand and one? No, I don't think mental health was even a thing back then. Mm. Um, no, certainly not spoken about. No, not at all. And I think if it was spoken about, it was exclusively by either very high profile celebrities who were who were then pretty brave to do it. Mm. But men, no, no, mm. it wasn't. It wasn't no, a thing. Yeah. For, I don't think. George, because okay. George was 
anxious to the point that he ran everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I used to do that. A, a job I did, and everyone called me. They like, used to say I flapped a lot because <laughs> yeah. I was constantly running from like different. Se- I worked at a summer camp, so I was constantly running from like different sessions. If I was like two minutes <laughs> late yeah. to a group to like do a, a take a session with a group of kids, if I was doing like a quad biking session or whatever, and they used yeah. to think they used to say I was flapping, and really I was having anxiety attacks. Yeah, but people yeah. thought it found it hilarious. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's kind of not hilarious now, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know. I can laugh about it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean. I used to, yeah, because I used to be, I'm still very hyperactive now, but it's sort mm. of, then I thought I was just, I was just like hyperactive and I was always running around the school and could never sit still in lessons and stuff. And um, yeah, it turns out I obviously had anxiety and sort of, sort of very hyperactive and did breathing exercise and stuff. So mm. that kind of sort of helped me, but you didn't really realise until yeah. it became such a problem. I was exactly the same. I think I was very hyperactive, but I was very willing to learn at the same time. Mm. So I was quite studious. I was quite good at getting great, like good grades for my teachers. But because I was very hyperactive and always wanted to like muck about a little bit in class, I think some teachers took that the wrong way or yeah, um, same in line, yeah. thought I was being disruptive when actually I was getting the maze. So I was like, well, what's the point of you really having a go at me? There's other kids like getting Ds, Es and Fs and yeah. Us and you're not even having a go at them. So oh, no, yeah. But That's there we go. School teaching, big subject. Um, and then at 13, obviously it's a very, very young age to mm. kind of attempt suicide. Mm. Well, what's kind of happened? At- yeah, so just I'll whiz through the background. So I was bullied from year three to year six in primary schools in a very sheltered primary school by one um, particular child. He had a very sort of adult mind at that, at that mm-hmm. time. So he was very able to manipulate other boys in the class. And because it was a very small class it was about 25 and there was only about 10 boys so like that's basically one group yeah really when you think about it and if you're in a very small primary school you're basically spending every single day with each other so he was able to use things about my personality and that were perhaps quite trivial to most people like i support a northern football team is quite unfashionable because my dad's from the north called huddersfield town i'm very proud of it now but back Mm -hmm. then i was growing up growing up with arsenal man united fans (laughs) football was very much used as a sort of social hierarchical tool and an exclusionary tool. So I was, in inverted commas, bantered for that. And he was able to use that as a way of not making it seem like I was actually being bullied. And then um, just little things like that. And I think that another way that he was able to bully me, which was bringing up like stupid things I'd done or mistakes I've made in the past and sort of pinpointing, pinpointing them and using them in social group situations. So like, say if you were really embarrassed about something like six months ago and you constantly thought about thought about it basically and someone just kept bringing it up at different moments to try and bring you down and humiliate you and then everyone would start laughing at you again so it was different things like that um and then he actually sexually assaulted me in year five um which was a really repressed memory for me for years Mm. and years and years and i didn't even remember it until about a year and a half ago so um that was that has all sorts of implications Mm. which i'm still trying to deal with now um, and then fast forward to year seven to year nine was when I started getting bullied in secondary school. So I moved schools. Um, and that was very much by three, uh, boys in my form class. I'm sure you both were in the same sort of like yeah. structure where you're in your form class for, until like year seven to year nine. And then you go into different groups and everyone mingles with each other. Um, so that was quite intense. And it was year nine that it got to the point where I actually wanted to take my own life. Yeah. Gosh, that's intense. Yeah. I mean, school, uh, but back then, it, mm. was, it, was, it was obviously hard. Now, it must be absolutely awful. With the yeah, I, mean, I'm, I sort of, I sort of will say this point a lot that I'm lucky that <laughs> I, I joke about it quite a bit. That I'm lucky I only got 
cyber bullied in year 10 in year 11 on facebook yeah and now kids are not i didn't have a phone and until year no. seven and it was a nokia 3210 i yeah, mean i loved yeah. it so uh, i mean it was it was like it lit up at the sides that basically said mug me but you know <laughs> um it I'm, i joke about that a lot because now you know kids are having smartphones at six seven eight nine years old and then all the apps that go with that and their brains aren't really developed they don't know how to sort of interact with certain people and nuances and stuff that you learn when you're an adult an adult but no i mean i couldn't even imagine doing it now i mean yeah. i was lucky that the bullying luckily ended at 3 30 p.m but now it's yeah it could be all the time yeah that's scary that's a scary thought you mentioned before that the mm -hmm. sexual assault you experienced was luckily seen by teachers yeah and school and sort of dealt with yeah if that hadn't have happened do you think at that age you would have known the severity of it but that kind of because you only recently remembered it. Mm. What triggered? What sort of triggered you to remember that? It's really weird, actually, because I did a I did an article for um, this mental health out magazine called Happy Fall mm -hmm. uh, a while ago, and they were just asking me up to share my story, and they were asking me like a different few interview questions on on email, and this question for some reason triggered it. They said, "Oh, did did anyone know when you were in primary school about your bullying?" And I started saying, "Well, yes, a teacher." the teachers were event they eventually clocked on and blah blah mm. but it was only really that they clocked on because of that sexual assault yeah and then that started the whole oh my god that actually happened and i used back then I, at the time i thought it was quite a minor thing and actually mm. it was probably a really severe thing that happened um and I, then all the memories from that started so yeah i mean it was a it was a it was a really weird experience to start remembering that again and actually piecing together the aftermath of it um and now I sort of remember it happening and my, I won't go into too much details about it. Mm. Um, but I remember the, the teacher, the head teacher pulled me aside and said, did X do this to you and why? Uh, sorry, did X do Y to you? Mm. Um, and I said, yeah, I was quite sort of like simplistic about it. I didn't really mm. think it was a big deal. And then he got pulled into the head teacher's office. He got a massive, am I allowed yeah. to swear on this? Bollocking. Yeah. Bollocking. I was going <laughs> to yeah. say bollocking. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And like my parents intervened and they told the head teacher and then loads of things happened after that. And that head teacher was very much the first sort of teaching male role model I had. And he wasn't outwardly a very sort of warm and emotional and compassionate person. But from that point onwards, until we left the school, he was very protective of me. Like I remember a, an example where we had a football tournament and I'm not exactly amazing at football. I'll, I'll happily admit that. Most of my friends will say that, but I love playing it. And I remember I got put up front, like it was in year five. And at the time, just before, when he said it, it, but like in the team huddle, like the, the bully was like, no, why, like, why, mm. like very much like pushing back and he was getting all the other boys to, and he like put him in his place. Yeah. It's like, like, I'm the coach. I do this. Da, 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 da. And that was a probably quite a big moment for me because I knew that he had my back. Um, and I actually got in contact with him. I tried to get in contact with him about, a few months after I came out that story and I, sh I shared him, shared the story with him and he was just like really surprised that I'd had such, he'd had such an impact on me. Yeah. And it, was, it was really, um, yeah. really nice to do actually. Yeah. Do you think there is as a nap? I mean, obviously this is quite controversial I suppose, mm. because with all, with all the media around it at the moment, there's mm. enough education for primary school teachers to manage sort of people like yourself at the time mm. with mental health problems like myself. Mm. Do you think there is enough now or they need more? I think he's getting there. Slowly, I think yeah. he's getting there slowly. I think in my secondary school, I was never flagged at all. Not mm. once. I was never, despite teachers seeing me getting abused or 
me getting yeah. into, like get, getting beaten up and stuff. I was never flagged once from a mental health perspective. I don't think it really existed. Mm. I think a lot of the teachers got almost brought into the same mentality that the kids did in a really weird way in how they behaved. Mm. Um, I think it is getting there. And I, I think especially around the work that, you know, mental health first aid is, is doing and mental health first aid England are doing and educating schools and teachers about spotting the signs and how they can interact with a child if they do come to them about a mental health issue or a mental health problem because mm. not everyone has a mental health issue it could be just something that they're going for a down period i think it's getting there but it's nowhere near yet in my opinion yeah and i think you mentioned there the teachers i sometimes fear teachers are actually af- afraid to intervene mm. there's a point at which you see stuff going on from a you know young but luckily i wasn't really bullied at school but you see people getting bullied and you kind of just want to be like what is that teacher not doing anything because they can yeah they can get drawn into the sheep mentality which is what a lot which is in secondary school my secondary school was the complete antithesis of my primary school my primary school was a very sheltered religious um sort of edith edith blighton enid blighton what's that enid blighton Blighton. Blighton. sort of school but secondary schools are very very probably one of the roughest schools in the county let alone (laughs) london yeah um sort of a lot of it was fights on a daily basis there was all sorts of stuff that i can't go into on this pod for various reasons um <laughs> people but fighting about <laughs> random stuff mate just toxic masculinity was completely yeah, rampant yeah, like yeah. the only thing the boys talked about was either girls but in a very fake sexual braggadocio sort of way yeah. at 13 or <laughs> you know you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, or who was the best at fighting do you know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was the complete antithesis of what I'd, what had come before it. But yeah, I mean, like there was no, there was teachers. You could either be a sheep or you could be someone who actually stood up. And unfortunately, some of them didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I'm just going back to what you were saying about um, like remembering things mm-hmm. randomly. It's been something that's been playing on my mind recently because I think that everyone has probably got things in their lives that they've completely suppressed. Uh, I think it's interesting, um, like what random things can trigger your mm. memories like that. Yeah, well, I I've got a, a memory that's repressing. I suppose it's in it, it it comes and goes, and that was when our grandma died. We went and saw her, her body uh, in the in the sort of in the home, and that's kind of disappearing all the time. It kind of just goes away and then I sometimes remember it again and think oh gosh yeah that did actually happen because it was so I've never in my life had someone really close to me pass away and actually then seeing their body like a dead body Mm. on the bed it was you know feeling a cold sort of body is the most strange thing I did that my nan passed away this year and that exactly the same thing happened I was with her when she died and and I was holding her hand as she died and then she went and that's the first time I've actually seen that as well so I'm completely with you on Uh, it yeah it's like you know you see it in films and stuff and it's not like the films it's not like the films life is like oh and it hit me straight I walked in the room it hit me straight away and um that's kind of repressing it's going away slowly I just don't really remember that did you do anything weird like when you not in a like dark way, but like I remember when my nan died, I for some there was a packet of custard creams, and as she was dying, I just took a custard cream, started eating a custard oh, cream. I don't know why I did not, that. Not when she was. Uh, we were all a bit odd. It was. It, I mean, it happened. It was. It felt slow, but it happened very quickly. Um, but after she passed, I started. I went. I went mm. a bit off the rails. Not like taking loads of drugs and drinking loads in my own mental health way. So I, I went. <laughs> I thought I had. I thought I had cancer. I thought I had MS, you know, so mm. I went, I didn't, you know, two weeks to get an appointment at the doctor's way too long, paid to go privately, went privately, went to the physio, sort of spent quite a lot of money on just to find out what was wrong with me. 
and he said, yeah, it sounds like it's just grief. Um, <laughs> and all these, you know, because the body, yes, first first step was anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so obviously he was talking me through and he was giving me acupuncture and stuff like that. Um, and then he said this, you know, yeah, the body does start reacting physically to grief as well. So you start getting aches and pains and you'll start feeling quite tired and, and they kind of work in, in tandem. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did go a bit weird when when it happened yeah yeah i think i was lucky in the sense that my nan was she had a few lazarus moments where we thought she was going to go and she went nah fuck this shit i'm, not, <laughs> I'm staying alive for a, i'm staying alive for a few more weeks out of spite yeah. um but yeah i mean i was lucky that it wasn't really a shock so i could sort of process it yeah. naturally yeah. yeah yeah we were we were kind of in shock and processing at the same time because it was like yeah. it, yeah, it, it went really from bad. her being you know, not being you know, un- unwell in bed to a week later having stage four lung cancer. It was oh, like, wow. Oh, my. How did the doctors not pick this up? Yeah. You know, it took them a week to die. How? It's off the end. Yeah. You know, but um, I don't even think she'd she had time to process it before she was gone. You hear that a lot, don't you? That sort of very incredibly aggressive cancer. Mm. I've, seen, I've seen so many stories about that. Yeah. The thing it was the thing is with older people is that um, diseases like that take. You could have that for ages and ages, and because mm. you're old, your body doesn't—it um, stays in your body for longer. Mm. So it developed over time. Metastasized? Does years. it metastasized? Yeah. yeah. On, a, on a bright, well, <laughs> sort of a brighter note. I mean, but, um, <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> no, I can't promise anything. A bit more of a controversial question, but yeah, people that bully. Mm-hmm. Are obviously dealing with deeper rooted issues themselves, which are then projected onto other people. Or onto the people that they pick on. Do you think there should be systems in place to try and help the bullies too? I mean, yeah, for sure. Because if you stop it at an early age, then they can still be a functioning human being when mm. they get older. I think my primary school bully had a very warped mind. Yeah. Um, but who's to say if he if if there had been interventions? Yeah. To st- because he was still like that. I didn't like stop talking to him. Like there were still instances in 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 later life when we sort of cro- crossed paths when we were sort of 13, 14 and stuff. He still had that mindset. Like he didn't stop. Mm. So no one clearly sort of intervened and went, right, this is a psychological thing. It sounds like no one's told him off. You know, like, coming from a background of, of what we've got, I don't want to sort of talk out of place, but it sounds like there wasn't anyone in place to stop him doing what he was doing. So if, if we did something wrong, Shah and I, our parents came down hard and we're like, that's wrong. You know, mm. that's wrong. They'll stop you. You learn from that. Okay, that's wrong in life. You won't do that again. And then mm. you kind of go through learning what's right and wrong. Mm. You know, the, the rights and wrongs of the world. I just wonder whether sometimes the situation is dealt with, but the root of the issue is not mm. dealt with. Yeah, I think because he had been allowed to get away with it for about three years yeah. and all the boys were either joining in or joining in because of fear of ostracization or social ostracization i should say um he could feel completely untouchable and that's why i fi- i found a lot of resonance with the me too movement and not from mm. i don't mean there's lots of worse stories than mine and i'm not yeah. i don't want to compare myself to anyone else but that con- that messaging that came out from victims saying that he sometimes that particular person didn't do it because of sexual attraction or whatever because it was yeah. they felt untouchable and they knew that if they did it, even in front of other people, that no one would report it. Mm. And I think that's probably what happened. Mm. But luckily, a, a teacher or a dinner lady or someone saw it and and reported it. I think but, probably yeah. at that age as well, people that bully don't actually know the reasons why they're doing it, I suppose. Because there's 
subconsciously different issues. Mm. So, uh, so on the surface, it will be because they're untouchable, but realistically, it's other, it's other reasons, potentially. I was talking to someone recently, <laughs> I'm not going to name this person, obviously, and um, I don't know how he got onto the conversation, but he went up, he's also, he, he has brothers, they have brothers. Um, <laughs> and um, Sorry, you're not giving it away too much. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and and they, they, they sort of, they have that relationship where they, you know, they, when they get excited, they sort of punch each other and that kind of mentality. Violence is taught. And it, then, yeah, yeah, and they did, yeah. and he did it to someone... Um, he did it to someone who wasn't obviously his relation, and they were like, "What are you doing?" Because it was like, "Why are you punching me?" Mm. You, you know, that's a weird thing. And then somehow we got into the conversation, and they were a bully. And I was like, "Why? Why? Why, why were you? You know, what reason were you a bully?" It was just I was quite funny at school. Mm. I just didn't have a reply. I just didn't know what, what do to you say. What do you respond to? I that? just didn't know what to say. But I was like, I could see he. They probably were, but I just. I she just admitted thought, it. This yeah, just and I wow, that's me weird. That's bizarre. So, uh, I don't know if you know Garen Jones. Have you heard of him? He's like a motivational... Like a life coach guy. sort of thing? Sort of, yeah. sort of. He wanted to be a musician and then he turned life coach type guy. But he said on his road to healing, <laughs> he, um, he was writing down a list of everyone he needed to say sorry for, for things he'd done in life. He remembered at school, he... I don't know what he did. He turned someone's bag inside out or pulled pulled mm. their trousers over mm. their head or something mm. like a girl. Mm. And he didn't have contact with this girl. So he wrote it on Facebook. Um, like, please, can can someone contact this girl and say, sorry for what I did to her at school? And apparently the lady messaged him and was like, please, for the love of God, can you take that down? Sort of like in hysterics, like, please take it down. Anyway, she, she called him up and she said, I don't think you understand that that situation at school has affected every single stage of my life to the point my kids are getting bullied for the same thing that you did to me at school. And he was like, whoa. He was like, I knew I needed to say sorry, but I didn't know why I needed to say sorry. And it made such a massive impact. Also, I mean, he's obviously doing it from a good place, but to put her name on Facebook, I mean... Yeah, it is, that, yeah. I mean, not just he GDPR, but... I think he took it down, but um, it just goes to show that every... Everything you do has an effect, whether you whether you know how big the effect is or not. One hundred percent. I mean, I'm going to use this word lightly or this this phrase lightly because I'm personally don't really like it. And you had you had a a mental breakdown. Mm. Let's call it a breakdown. You had you suffered some some poor mental health at uni and mm. then got CBT therapy. What was your experience? You know, did you respond to it well? Um, and what was your advice kind of from your GP? Um, yeah, yeah, so the the breakdown happened, but was a, there was a bit of a run-up to it, to be honest. I mean, I was going through a very bad period of mental health, but I was having the time of my life at the same time. It was really jarring. Yeah. I was. It started in first year, where all these trust issues and paranoias about people not liking me and all this sort of stuff was slowly melting away, and people were liking me for who I was in a genuine way, and it wasn't out of sympathy or pity or mm. something. And I was getting home from nights out, and I was just crying myself to sleep like I used to do when I was in secondary school. And I had no idea why. I was in mm. complete denial. I didn't think that mental health was a thing for me because I'd constantly been told that it wasn't, there wasn't yeah. anything wrong with me. So just wrong in inverted commas. Um, and then second year was quite bad. There was a lot of reckless things um, <laughs> without giving my, put myself in too much trouble. You know. um, <laughs> and uh, eventually got to third year and I was having suicidal thoughts in, in, the start of third year and quite 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 dark quite deep suicidal thoughts and i won't go into details 
um, to the point where I had the mental breakdown and it was in a seminar and I was sitting there and there was like a mural on this wall. It was some sort of like artwork that a student had done. And I was just sitting there looking at the mural and the mural, the people on the mural started talking to me and telling me like I was worthless and I should go kill myself and all this sort of stuff. Mm. And looking back, that might've been like psychosis or something. I don't even know. And I was texting one of my close friends at the time, Tilly, under the table because I couldn't articulate. I was just completely mute, yeah, yeah. which is a rarity for me. Um, <laughs> and uh, and she said, what, "What's going on, Fred? Like, what's what's wrong?" And I said, "I thought about I thought about taking my own life, my own life last night. I thought about X, Y, and Z, and walking past a certain thing and thinking I should do it." And she said, "You really need to go see someone." And I said, "I did. I went. I went today. I went to the medical center. And mm. I said, can I see someone? Like, I'm feeling really, really bad, but I was too embarrassed and too stigmatized to say mm. like I'd thought about taking my own life last night." And they said, "Oh, can you come back in like six to eight months or something like that for <laughs> oh, for an assessment?" Right? Because clearly, you know, I don't blame them because they must have had loads of people coming to them with with mental health problems. And she said, "Right, I'm going to take you after the seminar." to back there tell them how you're feeling and I'll, i won't leave you until yeah. you tell them and i went to the receptionist and i said yeah I'm, i thought about taking my own life last night i'm feeling really suicidal and they said sit down we'll, we'll get you assessed straight away and then and i said to tilly like thanks like you can go home like i'm gonna be seen and da da da, da. um and right there and then i was assessed i had some tick boxes and they said what well, how do you feel on this scale of one to ten da, 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 da. <laughs> but which was good though i mean yeah. it's it's i know a lot of people like laugh about it now but at a time that was probably good for me uh, yeah. i didn't know how to yeah, articulate it makes you think but yeah for people that uh <laughs> people that don't want to answer honestly it's the most that's ridiculous. true no that's the most true. ridiculous method of assessment yeah. ever yeah and also, you can't assess yourself <laughs> and also if you're really poorly you <laughs> you're not in any state to to rate how I feel great. How yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really? but I was lucky in the sense that I was like, right, I do feel this way. Yeah. I do feel this way. Please, can I be seen? I yeah, I need help. Yeah, <laughs> and I was seen for eight weeks of put on eight weeks of CBT straight afterwards. Um, and it was really good for me because I had no way to articulate how I felt. Yeah, and I'm very extroverted. I'm very loud. I love talking to people, so I needed someone to talk to and, and vent to. Um, and it took me until the sixth week to say I'd been bullied. Really? Wow. Yeah. And I didn't know I couldn't say it because it felt so embarrassed. I was, because back then when I was in school, being bullied, you were seen as a victim. If it got out to other schools, you know, the whole school network where your world is your school network. Mm. I was so embarrassed and so afraid of telling people that. So I was still saying, I was referring to it as what happened to me in the past. I kept saying it like that. And she said, you know, that was like the sixth week. And she was like, you know, you haven't, you haven't said this until this is the first time you've said it. And it's completely floored me. Oh. It's like when I were, had a massive bout of depression and I wouldn't call it depression. I called it it. Mm. I would not call it depression. I was like, there is no way in hell yeah. that's what's wrong with 100%, me. 100%, yeah. And, it was, and I, didn't realize I, was it. It, I didn't realise I was doing it. I didn't realise I was doing it. It was crazy. Sounds um, like a book. But it was yeah. good for me. But I, I know that it doesn't, it's not for everyone yeah. I, and everyone is you unique and everyone has their own particular mental health issue or problem that they need addressing in their own way so mm. I, I would always say if it works for you it works for you but there's loads of other different yeah. therapies and, and 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 other things that you can, yeah. you can yeah. use cbt uh is what people don't understand and when i talk to people about it because they're always like oh i never cbt didn't work for me cbt not cbt <laughs> um um is that it's it's hard. It's like homework. You get homework. Yeah, I've got home, homework. I'm, gonna, I'm in the middle of one at the moment. Yeah, and I'm doing homework on it. It's deep. It's deep. <laughs> it's really yeah, it's deep. Hard work. But yeah. I, I was suffering when I was suffering. I was so desperate to get better that I put in so much work. But a lot of people don't kind of recognise 
that that's what CBT is. It's the, the therapy and the homework. And then yeah. they come together. Mm. And once you have the two together, it's very powerful. Mm. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. But I think if you're perhaps introverted, then you yeah, might sort of, not find it as yeah. um, positive or yeah. useful because, yeah. You need just, someone, yeah. you need a, someone who can pull yeah, things exactly, out of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. That's scary. Yeah. That is, that's psychiatry. It's, it's that's, quite scary. Yeah. It's, it's sort of people pulling your your fears and mm. stuff out of you. And if you have something like PTSD, which um, I don't know I have, but my therapist has said I basically do, and I have nightmares and all the symptoms associated yeah. with it, the PTSD is an even bigger block on it. And that's yeah. probably the, the PTSD was probably the reason why I couldn't refer to being bullied as being bullied. Like yeah. Yeah. Not, not yeah. Out. yeah. It's really interesting. I think that even if you haven't been through trauma or, well, everyone's been through some sort of trauma, but uh, it's a good idea to go and speak to someone anyway. Yeah. So I would say I was going to say that's on my goal list, but it's not a goal. It's just <laughs> something. Yeah, it's I a small goal. It's achievable. Find, find what goal is that? To go and see a psychiatrist and talk about stuff like that. Oh yeah. Hmm. Um, nice and expensive. <laughs> so you're just saying you are currently in the middle of getting therapy mm -hmm. for your overthinking. Yes, indeed. What made you decide to do that, and how is it helping? Uh, so about. Two months ago, mm -hmm. um, I had a bit of a meltdown with my overthinking. It was girl-related, no fault of her own. It was all <laughs> me. Uh, I think because I'm quite inexperienced when it comes to girls, I think that was the first It was the first girl I'd seen, in inverted commas, for like seven years. Um, so I had this big overthinking meltdown, like what happens if I'm on a night out and this happened? Like, I've not, I've seen the girl for, I'd seen, been seeing the girl for a month and I was getting all these sort of weird, like placing myself in scenarios, which I, which I would, which I was doing the wrong thing, but I never would have done because I've got a fairly good conscience, I think. Um, <laughs> Sounds like me. And uh, <laughs> and it was horrible. And I remember it getting to the point where, like, I literally had, I literally had a, a suicidal thought for the first time in about five years pop into my head, and it passed in like five seconds. But I was like, "Whoa!" Like, I need to, I need yeah. to address this. Um, and I remember kind of, it was on the way to work, and I remember just like walking along, and I was just like close to tears and I, I didn't I had an absolutely no re, like yeah. no explanation why I just sort of did the whole I, I mean I'm a mental health advocate but I did the thing that I should I don't tell people to do I kind of sucked it up sort of stopped yeah. and then went into work and I was like hi everyone da, da, da. so I realized then that I needed help and I'm, I'm very fortunate and privileged that I met, I was able to get on therapy through work and I mm. got it sorted within five days I'm I'm very thankful for that um, I know that not everyone can can do this um but I'm in the middle of it at the moment. It's it's going really well. I'm getting techniques to stop overthinking and sort of taking a minute and implementing certain things and trying to practice mindfulness a bit more. Um, I know I probably need a bit more therapy at some point, um, but I'm concentrating on getting through this batch and then maybe giving it a few months and maybe seeing what, what more yeah. I can get. Yeah. Let's go back. This is for my personal yeah, go indulgence now. Um, because I overthink a lot. And it's so I've got OCD and mm. a lot of it is OCD d related um in the fact that obviously you have the obsessive thought so you get the thought inside your head you don't get the compulsion but you you just obsess on that thought and what i've been doing is i've been obsessing so much so as an example of this like you mentioned with girls mm -hmm. i'm going to ask now but this is obviously quite i've spoken about this before is always a brian gordon speaks about it a lot as mm. well um is the fear that you'd rape someone it just you don't have I think it. it's as strong as that but, <laughs> but that's the thought she had and right. that was a severe ocd and because she thought about it so much, she it started feeling real, and she was like, "Didn't she call the police?" Yeah, she started like it started feeling very real. Oh wow! 
Um, so sometimes for me, when I get drunk and I, you know, I was with friends and stuff, and they're like, "We're fine. We just you just were drunk and went to bed." Like, but my mind will start filling those gaps. The anxiety. The anxiety yeah. with, with <laughs> things worst, that mate. with things Trust that me. didn't happen. Um, and it's about getting out of that. And it's so hard. I'm like, what if that did happen? I, don't know. I used to do that when I was back in uni. I used to like, 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 send like massive apology texts to people after nights out when I was really, really drunk. And sometimes I'd maybe not remember a certain portion. They'd be like, Fred, you were absolutely fine. Like, you're obviously a bit messy. But they were like, you were, you yeah. were fine. Yeah, it's, it's a scary... That's why I'm sort of like, when I'm drinking, I'm very careful now. Like the company I'm with and like going a bit wild and mm. stuff. But um, generally, I've kind of limited it. I don't really drink much. Yeah. Now I think the rare occasion that I do get absolutely plastered, I will write a note to myself and just go, you did absolutely nothing tonight, you were fine. Yeah. Oh, or just, or just be with people that can kind of verify that you did nothing. Yeah, just yeah. I've, like, heard, I've you talk- heard lots of things like that lately. So I, for example, I have alarms set through my day. And stop videoing your night out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll get a lot of trouble if I did that. <laughs> you were okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I have alarms set through the day uh, to ask me how I'm feeling to check in with myself because there was a time where I just felt really crappy. So I thought if I do this and I can check in with myself and if I am in a funk, then just can't always click out of it, but mm. you can just check in with yourself and why you're sort of feeling like that. So oh, that's a really good one. I've not heard that before. It's more for my own sanity rather than anything. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't, mm. I don't get anywhere near as drunk as I used to, but it's just on the odd occasion where, do you know when you're like on a night and you're like, I definitely don't think I'm going to remember like this period of the night and just write it to myself. Yeah, and it's also normally because that period of the night is completely irrelevant. It might have just been really boring. So mm. your mind kind of thinks, well, this is not keeping this as a memory. It's pretty crap. Mm. You know, you, you mm. either went to the toilet in a pub or something. But the bits you remember, the bits that are like really quite intense. Like you had dancing, you had fun, you had that cocktail, you had that shot. And they're the bits you can remember. It's the bits after that. You're like, it's the conversations. Yeah, yeah. it's the conversation. Yeah. Like, what the, what happened after that then? Where did we go? And we're like, mm. we didn't go anywhere, you know. Or you forget how you got home. You're like, whoa. That's always, that is, <laughs> why is it always forgetting where you, how you yeah. got home? That's always the one. It's like, you've, I just probably got the night to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so irrelevant that you're buying, so you got home, it's fine. So, yeah, no, I feel that. It's a, it's a tough one, that. This is interesting, sort of following on from what we just talked about is, do you think there's stigma around therapy? Yeah, I mean, I was texting you about this, wasn't yeah, I? Yeah. Um, I'm I'm trying to remove it in my circle of friends. Yeah, I think there is a stigma because, especially in the workplace, like I, I remember when I spoke about it and I said I was doing it, I'm like, I'm happy for everyone to know. Um, but obviously a lot of people think you're in a really, really bad place. And I was initially, but I think I'm slowly getting to the point where I am getting better. And if someone says like, well, I'm leaving work early and I say, oh, I'm going to therapy, it's always like, a, oh, okay, oh, okay, it's okay. <laughs> But it's obviously they're doing it from a nice yeah. place, you know, and, it, and yeah. I'm really thankful for that. But there is that sort of trepidation about how yeah. do you respond to that response. But if they, if you said, oh, yeah, I'm work, leaving work early, I'm just going to the doctors. They'd be like, oh, okay, good luck. Yeah, and I yeah, could yeah. and I could say I was at a doctor's appointment and no one would bat an eyelid. You say you know, but I wanted to be honest. I think there's a difference between England. This is a difference between England and America. If you don't go to therapy in America, you are weird. Not so weird. many Not people weird. Well, go yeah. to therapy in America and it's classed. It just, even people that don't suffer uh, terribly with mental health. It's quite a nice idea. I mean, everyone sort of, you just have a, what I suppose that is, is kind of having someone to talk to. I just talk to my friends, which mm. is almost a form of therapy, or my mm. family, which is the same. I suppose they could just be talking to their therapist mm. as opposed to their family. I suppose sometimes your therapist might. Yeah, it's confidentiality acts. They yeah. can't. They can't do 
they can't obviously release any information. That's probably what the security is, mm. so people can feel comfortable in that that knowledge. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree. There's sort of this stigma around therapy, but also fear around it because people, you, you know, uh, I was speaking to someone and they were like, "No, I'm afraid to go because I don't really want to know what's inside my head." <laughs> like yeah, the deepest fears. And I had that sort of denial at the start. I was I did the AWC th- CBT and I and I said to myself, "Right, I'm never going to need it again." And if I do, and if I do feel the need to it it might be reopening up old wounds and all that mm. sort of stuff and then after the after this period of, of poor mental health i sort of realized that you know i do need it's every you know it's one step at a time you know i might need therapy for a certain issue and getting techniques to deal with that and then i might need therapy for another issue um so yeah i mean i i i, I was that was definitely in denial about it and then I kept, I always say to people that recovery is not a straight line, but I <laughs> sort of just thought, well, if I just come out with about everything, then it'll just, I'll just slowly yeah. get better and better and better. <laughs> and I was like, why am I, why am I applying a different rule to myself than I would to other people yeah. that I try and help? So, yeah. In 2017, mm-hmm. you set up Vent. I did indeed. Talk to us about how that came about yeah. and about it. Yeah. So I'd always wanted to do something in mental health and, it was the moment when I tried to take, well, I came very, very close to taking my own life when I was in year 11 after I'd been really heavily bullied by my um, social group. I was cyber bullied as well. They create one of the um, boys in the group, created a Facebook group about me oh, and then invited the whole year group to it whilst I was on holiday, came back. And obviously Facebook was on your only on your, mm. your, your family computer next to the laundry basket. Um, <laughs> yeah, ours was in the door. Do- <laughs> yeah. On that thing. So I came back and there was like 50 notifications and oh, no. uh, I saw everyone commenting like, and things about my personality, like, like I love doing impressions and voices and stuff. And they were commenting about that and loads of other things that was re- And I had, the, I had obviously like a massive anxiety attack and I, um, it was like the realization that all the paranoia you were having was true. And all the things you thought people were saying about you that might just have been your overthinking was actually true. And it was one of the most horrific moments of my life. And I came really close to taking my own life after that. But something stopped me. And I feel like in that moment, it was like the last shred of my self-esteem or self-worth telling me not to do it and that the bullies would win. Mm. Um, and then I was cyber bullied by my drama group. I, had a, I went to an after-school drama group Uh because I absolutely loved drama. I always loved doing it. I was always like the lead in school plays and stuff like that. And I was there for about three to four years whilst the bullying in school was going on. So it was sort of like my escape. And then I got into the older group and they started bullying me as well. And that happened on Facebook. And then I was like, why am I doing this? Like, it just made me more suicidal. So fast forward to 2017 and I was sort of going for a, a few jobs in like mental health charities and stuff like that. I wasn't really getting anywhere. I was getting to like final interview and um, wasn't getting it. And I remember seeing my best mate, Hannah, for like a catch up. And I said, I said, Hans, you know, like I, I really want to do something mental health, but I'm not really getting anywhere with it. And I'd had some experience in like website editing and I worked in I work in PR and comms. So I, I know how to like copyright and all that sort of stuff. And I said, oh, if I, if I want to call something, I want to call it vent. Because whenever someone comes to me about a, and wants to have like a deep chat or something to get off their, off their chest, they always say that word. Mm. But I said, I don't know if I, I was having like I had massive imposter syndrome. You know, I said, I don't want to. I don't know if it will help anyone. I don't know if it will go anywhere. I said, no, no, Fred, just do it. Like if, if, if it helps one person, then it, then it will be you making a difference. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, fuck it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I set up the website. Um, I came out for the first time about my story 
um, sort of not everything, but what I felt at the time was quite a big deal. Uh, and like I remember having like the 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 um the social media post like draft, and I was like fucking hovering yeah. over, and my hand was like hovering over the mouse, like clicking post because once you share it, you can't take it back, can you? Yeah. Um, but then I click share, and the response was like um ridiculous. Like had tons of people message me about the article and not having any idea that I was I'd gone through that stuff, and it's still the most read article on Venice. It's got like something ridiculous, like about like fifteen hundred reads or something stupid. Yeah. Um. And then after that, I had a, I had a mate from uni. His, uh, he had come out and he had come out and he said, like, I've got a boyfriend now. And his boyfriend messaged me, he called Steve, absolutely lovely guy. He'll, he'll enjoy me giving him a shout out on this. And mm-hmm. he said, um, he said, like, I've been wanting to have like a platform. I've been trying to find somewhere to share, share my mental health experiences. He said, can I do it on yours? And he oh, became the first event champion. Um, so from there, it's just grown and grown. Yes. It's been, hopes, been really, hopes really good. Hopes event champion as well, doesn't she? Yeah. 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 Do you think... Um, it was opening up to your friends and family that sort of spurred it on. Um, I didn't. Like I didn't open up to my friends. In fact, I mean, I had in uni. In uni, it was very much like I was crying a lot on nights out, and I was yeah. going into this weird, like, thirteen-year-old version of myself, and I was getting really, really drunk, just wanting somewhere to talk. Yeah, and then I kept thinking that like everyone would leave me after I was getting upset, and like everyone would stop being my friend and stuff, and that was really, really hard. Um, but they had no idea about my mental health. Yeah. Like I said to my two housemates that I lived with in third year when I was getting therapy, like I'd, I'd like I'd say like on a Monday, like oh, I'm going to see my therapist. They'd be like, "Are you okay? Like, you know, we, do you need us to do anything?" I was like, "No, no, it's all good. Like, I'm." just be there and support me and and that's fine. Like, I don't want you to make a fuss of me. Um, But none of my best mates from home knew. Like, no one. My family didn't know. they know now? They all know. They all, well, well, they probably (laughs) do. Uh, I don't know how many people have read the articles, but um, yeah, they all all know now, but I never told my family about it and there's reasons for that. Um, But yeah, no, none none of my friends, my my best mate Hannah probably knew about, because she went to primary school and secondary school with me. So, but she only knew really about 40%. And my best mate James probably knew about thirty percent. Um, so yeah, I mean they know now, but I I I always felt like if I told people I would be less of a man, it, I was very afraid of seeking help because I thought yeah. that would make me less of a man. Um, so no, I, and because I'd had no support really throughout school, or at secondary school especially from teachers or friends. I mean I didn't really have any friends, and the friends that I had bullied me from year nine to year eleven. So I had to basically deal with it everything on my own. Mm. Um, so I never really felt like I could tell someone first and show them the article and be like, do you think this is okay? I just shared it. I feel like the stigma around men not being men if they get help is it's massive. crazy. It's massive. I don't know. Mm. Is that instilled in you when you're... when? I don't know when that gets instilled in you. I'm the most feminine man around. I don't know where that gets instilled in you along in life. I think it's taught, but it's also, I think it's company. Yeah. There's a a mentality around company. It's a a year group thing. It's a a group of friends thing. It's it's, it's definitely Mm. that that sort of vibe. I mean, I'd I'd had it instilled in me from as young as I can remember that in those group situations showing emotion or crying in front of other boys would, you know, you get, can I still swear on this? Yeah. 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 So you get called like a pussy yeah. or you'd get called something like that or you get bannered in inverted commas. Yeah. Like when you were in, when I was in secondary school, like even when I tried to find places to cry, people would someone, someone would still see see me and like spread it around school. So do you, your whole story, I'm reading, do you know the super vet, the program? I've not watched it, unfortunately. The guy, 
so the guy is so intelligent, but at school and he at school he got bullied mm. like you wouldn't believe. Your story reminds me of this. I need you to read this book. If oh, you okay. ever get is it always oh, a book? Oh, okay. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. I'll put it on my list. But it's, I don't normally read autobiographies <laughs> unless it's got something to do with music or animals, self help, or you know. <laughs> so, um, mum bought me this off the whim because I love the program. Is that the word? Off the whim? <laughs> I don't know. Off um, a whim? Off a whim. Yeah. Off a whim. And um, it's, whim. it's really touching. But he talks all about how, how he got bullied at school and how he went to hide in places. To the yeah. He, he went up to, it all the time. He found an old cabin that they used to use for some sort of classroom. He used to run up there and read his book. Because he was respite. That's the only way, to, I, that's the only way I could of, try and get yeah, out of it. Yeah, out of it. Isn't it hilarious that people bully the smart people? <laughs> I wasn't even particularly smart, to be honest, mate. Maybe that's me putting myself down, but I wasn't like... like you're getting probably, A's and I stuff. Think but, yeah, I mean, I only, got five, but I only got five A's at GCSE. Like, I didn't okay. get A stars. Only five. Oh, sure. Is that what I'm saying? Is generally, it's always the smart people that are being bullied. Oh, it was very and, intellectual, and then my school. sort of like, now, you just sort of get to our age now and you think, where are the bullies mm. now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you people got onto you in my school if you got an A. You were called like a boffin and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It was a very weird school. I, I was, I mean, I was... I was, well, I didn't achieve well. I'm creative, very creative. Mm. So I shine through differently to academe. Um, not very good at exams. As soon as I got into the exam hall, I'd be like, oh my God, like, how do I do this? <laughs> uh, yeah, because there'd be like my friend who's so smart, like a couple of rows down, and I'd be like, oh my God, you know. So, uh, but being creative, I kind of sort, sort differently, really. Um, mm. So that's quite interesting, but I, I think, didn't. Yeah, I think I was a mix of. I think I was a mixture of both, to be honest, yeah. because I was my memory is very, very good, and I was always really good at remembering stats and like facts memory and figures, retention. which is what well, memory retention is probably what a lot of could, when we were in school. Yeah. It's like how you got A's. Yeah. yeah. So I was very good at that, but I was also wanting to be creative and stuff, and I enjoyed drama, I enjoyed all the humanity subjects, and I enjoyed mm. writing. So I had a mix of sort of both those sort of mindsets, mm. but um, it was only till I moved secondary school and I I got out I got out of the hood, so to speak. Mm. It was a very bad school. Um, it's under special measures now, so that's to the extent of how wow. much it's gone downhill. It's on the what? It's on special. special it's measures. under special measures. Oh really? Yeah, as a school. Yeah. Oh um, so I went to a different school, which was an all boys school. Very different vibe. I went from a school that was ethnically sort of sixty, forty, working class, um, white boys and girls, and sort of second generation African um, kids to ninety nine percent South Asian. So I was one of 10 oh. white boys in the year. So it was very, very academic. It was yeah. all boys. And I remember the first, like, at the end of AS, which is now, no, the kids no longer do. It's just like one whole, like... One to nine. Yeah, yeah. It's one to nine. And all of A-levels is in four exams or something stupid. Like, what? you don't get... Yeah, like, they stopped AS. So you had AS exams. And then if you got them, if you were if you smashed those, it meant A2 was a little bit easier. Right. But they don't do that now. It's just like A2, it's like two years and you used to have everything at the end, apparently. Oh um, so I did AS and I remember I only dropped to like four marks on an English exam. I got like 99% or whatever it is. And I came out and we were all like exchanging like marks. And they were like, Fred, you fucking smashed that exam, mate. Yeah. And I was like, um, did I? <laughs> uh, I didn't really know how to react because mm. no one had ever said that to me before yeah. as, a yeah. as a peer. And they were like, yeah, no, you, you, you fucking smashed it, mate. You mm. got the highest mark in the year. And I was like, and I slowly got used to the feeling that doing well was a yeah, good, good thing. A good and my, thing. my teachers were like praising me for contributing because a lot of kids, I mean, single gender schools have their own problems and, and nuances, but a lot of the kids weren't very 
active in participating in class. Mm. And I was always like, hand up, like I'll I'll chat some shit. Yeah. And the, the teachers loved me for that. Yeah. They loved a bit like the, the fact that I was different mm. and I was a bit unique and I could have a bit of banter with them. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was a lot to get used to, a lot to get used to. But I Good. definitely enjoyed that. It was the making of me really those mm. those two years because it gave me my confidence back. Yeah, it's important. It's sort of um, encouragement really, isn't it? And it kind of think, makes you think, oh, actually... I am quite good. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was literally it. Yeah. That was literally it. Um, and you've also started a podcast. I did. Yes. When, when did you start that? God, I don't actually remember the first one I did. You can probably look it back up on the SoundCloud dates, like yeah. when they were uploaded. But yeah, I think maybe maybe ten months, maybe to a year. Oh. Um, yeah, it all sort of started because my really close mate and my Matt was like a you know a digital whiz, and he we <laughs> my friends will love this uh, when we were in school. I didn't go to the same school as him, but all my mates are from his school. Mm. And like he, we used to like film, we used to like make films, like those classic films, like TikTok now, but we yeah. used, to, like, we used to like do some random film in the snow, like it'll be like a snow day, but like, do you want to go film? We're like, yeah, fuck it, shit, just yeah. do it. And he just like used all these special effects and stuff. And uh, he still got them somewhere. They used to be on YouTube, like freely available. And um, we made all these films and then, I remember obviously the friendship stayed until until we left school and uni and stuff. I remember him saying to him, I was like, Matt, can you um can you like record podcasts and stuff? And he was like, Yeah, 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 it's calm, I can do that. It's fine, yeah, yeah just get some mics and whatever. And I was like, Do you reckon do you reckon you could like help me with them? He's like, Yeah, yeah, sure, 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 no worries, no worries. So I, I, my mate, my mate, a really close mate of mine, Tim, um, he he wrote a lot for Vent at the start and he wrote these really nice poetry pieces, and that's how all the poetry section started. And I said, Tim, do you want to be the first guest? He was like, mate, fuck it. Like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's, let's absolutely do it. So I wrote this like really rough running order, like rich, literally like read it out, like, hello and welcome yeah. to the, like, the first episode. is so fucking scripted. It's unbelievable. Um, but we did the episode and I was like, Tim, your voice sounds so sexy on podcast, man. We've got to put this out. And he was like, um, he was like, yeah, do you think? I was like, mate, your voice is so sexy on podcast. And um, we put it out and like, he got a really good response. And then it's just grown from there really. And it's helped take, take vent to a, to a new Not level sort of yeah. yeah yeah we've got a couple couple minor celebs on it and it's been yeah. really it's been really good yeah yeah what's it called it's called the just checking in podcast checking so in. you can find it everywhere on apple spotify uh and other platforms <laughs> those are the main two yeah itunes and spotify is where i get most of my listens yeah and you mentioned tiktok there what's your what are your opinions on social media um tiktok particularly i'd love to be good at it my yeah. word. I mean, the kids, I always joke that the kids nowadays, they're coming up and they're like social media editors, video editors before they even get into the working world. Like, I wish yeah. I had though the one positive of being in that, the, the explosion of social media is that they're able to have these skills much, much earlier yeah. and develop their own brand sort of and profiles before they even get to work. So they can have these skills and be like, I've got 10,000 followers on a TikTok account. Please let me be your social media mm. intern or whatever. Um, it's also making it more competitive, which is yeah. another thing. My views on social media more generally, um, it's, a, it's a mixture. I always say that social media is a tool and mm. it can be used good or bad. Like I've made so many great connections, like you, for example, through through social media and, and tw Twitter especially. That's been my main platform that I use for advocacy work. Um, Instagram's a lot of hard work. I don't know how you do it, mate, because you have got you always have consistent stories all the time. I don't know how you do it. Um, I've started to do more stuff yeah. on vid videos and that was a lot very hard for me because i didn't want to take the focus event away from the champions which is always yeah. what i try and make it um i am doing some more video to camera work stuff now not just like little things try and build up my confidence um 
but yeah, it's a tool. I think it can be used positively and negatively. I think the stuff around um, Caroline Flack in particular recently mm. has highlighted a lot of um, the dark side of, I'd say, print media more than social media. But I think social media and the way she was trolled is completely horrendous. Um, and the sad thing is for me, I mean, I, I don't want to speak too much about it because loads of people have, have said what they needed to say on it and I'm there's loads of people that, that actually knew her and I don't want to get into a thing of like me putting out some post that might seem disingenuous. Yeah. Um, so I just put out a post saying like there's people who are talking about it a lot and it's not my not my place to say, but I will say that I feel like it's been, what, two weeks, maybe a week and a half and I'm still seeing the same sort of headlines. I'm still seeing the same sort of mm-hmm. print yeah, yeah. cycles that makes me think that I don't think much is going to change. I think there's a bit more of a groundswell, but what I worry is, is that this is going to become a moment or I hate to use the word trend. And the minute it dies, everyone's going to go back to normal. Whereas for us, like mental health awareness week is every week. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose what it's done is it's sown a seed of uh, print media. It's highlighted it. People have recognized the Caroline Flack thing. The next time it happens, people are like, why is this still happening? And then it's like going to build it'll build like blocks and people mm. start resisting. It'll be a move. say the next time this happens, isn't it? Well, it, you know, it will happen again. Yeah. No yeah I mean, we had, I mean, the, this, the, because it's happened to a celebrity is why it's become national yeah. conversation. But two traveler twin brothers took their own life about three months ago. Yeah. Um, and they took their own lives together, which is horrendous. Yeah. It was a horrendous, horrendous story. It got a bit of coverage, but like it, it didn't get probably into the national conversation. And there's probably loads of reasons why there's there's mental health stigma in the traveller community. But it, it's taken a celebrity... Unfortunately, it's taken a celebrity to to take their own lives to bring it into the national conversation again. I think it's frustrating for, for probably you and me as mental health advocates because we're doing this all the time and mm. we're not maybe cutting through in, in the ways that we want it to. We're, um, well, well I, we are, but you know, no, you get no, that no, imposter no, syndrome you, that you don't think you're point. doing enough and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, And I feel that quite a lot, but... I've reflected on it. And I'm I'm doing groundwork. You know, I'm grassroots. I always say sort of yeah. groundwork, working with young minds, working with the NHS. I'm doing deeper stuff than just the surface level media of mm. oh yeah, this needs to be this needs to be changed. I'm actually on the change. I'm in the front mm. line of actually helping to try and change that. Mm. As a side note, you mentioned you don't know how I do Instagram. Con- I don't know how you do Twitter. So that's the difference. I'm <laughs> yeah, very, I'm very visual. You, you, you love Twitter. I can't stand it. I'm mm. very visual. That's why I'm good at videos. But mm. Twitter, pff, no idea. Um, did you see, I mean, we shouldn't be laughing, but someone someone put a video on, oh, it was an interview with someone about the Caroline Flack thing. Mm. And it, I can't remember who it was, but she was like, and all these newspapers, they say close sources. Who are these close sources? HP and Tomato Source. Who are all these close sources? <laughs> oh, <God laughs> because... You know, who are the close sources? Mm. Who who released it? Who sold it to the papers that is a close source? You know, mm. who got hold of it? I think it's it's just becoming a bit of a mess when it comes to that sort sort of stuff. And and what what I was speaking about prior to it was the Meghan Markle stuff. Yeah. And oh gosh, yeah. you know, in a really I don't really want to say it in a in a very strong way, but how much must Harry feel even more vindicated by his decision? Yeah. Because yep. of this news, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a similar celebrity with similar. Obviously, they, Meghan Markle and, and Caroline Flack are completely different, but they were receiving criticism in different yeah. ways. But he must feel, you know, hugely vindicated. And well, because he was the exec, he was the yeah. yeah, 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 and he knows exactly what what his his wife is going through. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I, it, it baffles my mind that no one seems to be connecting the dots when it comes yeah. to the criticism that she's faced and the criticism that Caroline Flack has for different, for different things. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We've arrived, haven't we, Charlotte? We have. We've arrived. So at the end, Freddie, we always have... God, that's been... That's been that went well quick. Yeah, Love well, that. We, it's we, absolutely we, flown. We, Sorry, we, I hope you haven't waffled too much. Not at all, no. Um, we have, at the end, we have a not-so-serious question and a serious question. Because obviously some of our podcast episodes get quite heavy, so we bring everyone back to the light one. And this is, oh, I didn't actually think of this one. I've just read it. I'm glad I, I haven't researched this or seen the running yeah, order. Yeah, I so haven't actually it's gonna, seen this it's gonna, gonna... So looking at it, I'm trying okay. to work out. So it's, would you rather... Every shirt you ever wear be kind of itchy. Kind of itchy, or we're just saying itchy. What's the scale of one to ten? Like ten. Like the jumper, like the jumper Sheldon, like the jumper Sheldon has to wear. Okay. Okay. Or only be able to use one ply toilet paper for the rest for the rest of your life. What's the brand? Well, the worst brand. The worst brand. Sandpaper type. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've you need to have a sore ass all Mate, the time. this is a tough question, you know. <laughs> I think for my own health, I think I'd pick the itchy jumper. But really, I'd, I no, I'd lose because because no, you, you can take that the itchy jumper all day, <laughs> all the time. But you, you can take it off at some point, toilet. right? Although you have to go for a, w- oh, it'd be worse for a girl. No, it'd be fine for us. But I it like my. I mean, yeah, I think I'd rather have the jumper. Not even gonna lie. I wouldn't. I'd rather have a sore. Because, I've already no, got a sore bum wear... all the time anyway. So. <laughs> My health is important to me, man. You could wear a long sleeve t-shirt underneath it. No, that's cheesy. That's like saying I could put some moisturiser on the but, toilet But paper. no one said... What, there's, no, there's no rules here. You've got to just... <laughs> use toilet paper. <laughs> we can change the parameters of this question. Yeah. They sell stuff. That's you know, true. they sell stuff in supermarkets that you like... You buy toilet paper and then you spray it with freshener. <laughs> What is the point of that? Why don't you just buy toilet wipes? You like you get some, you get some. I'm oh, gonna spray yeah, my true. toilet mm. tissue with this spray. I think that's ridiculous. All I'm saying is I prefer the jumper, honestly, for my own health. I uh, genuinely. No, I put up with a sore bum all the time. I'll be Would fine. You? I've already do it. It's fine. Germaloids. Yeah, George. Yeah, but Germaloids. George, there hold you get on to... a minute. You freak out if the toilet paper is not right. Oh no, that's not you. <laughs> Who's that? That's Josh, who owns the studio as well. He, but I do. We used to live together. I don't know if he want me saying this. We can cut this <laughs> well, out. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> he, um, Josh is a fictional character. He used to freak out if we had anything less than the best. It is a day ruiner. Day. Honestly, it is a day ruiner. Yeah. It's a pretty, I mean, and then you get, <laughs> this is funny, and then you get toilet paper that's too soft. No, I love that. Do you? Yeah, I love that. Now they sell like Andrex sell. I'm all about it. Smooth. T- sorry, Charmin, other brands, other brands are, are available. available. Yeah. I'm all about that. <laughs> Other, uh, they sell a one called Smooth Touch, which has got chamomile in it with a hint of lavender. So you can, it feels good, and then it leaves a nice smell at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, 100% swiping right on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's discuss toilet paper. And What's our it? last well, That was a Tinder joke, but I didn't realise that that was actually also a pun as well. So that's, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to anybody being bullied at school or uni or in life? I would say um, as hard as it is right now, it will end. It's not your fault. Um, If you can find the courage to share it with someone, please do. Please try. don't bottle it up. I bottled it up for, well, I started it when I was seven and I didn't talk about it till I was 21. So Mm. you do the math on how many years that is. so don't please don't try and bottle it up because it will only cause you to feel worse. If you talk to someone about it, um, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it with your parents or a teacher, just find a neutral arbiter 
That's mm-hmm. what I always say that you feel like you can actually just open up to mm-hmm. someone about. Um, it could be a teacher. It could be a friend. It could be, depending on how old you are, it could be a stranger you meet for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, just try and tell someone because the more you talk about it, the easier it gets and the more it becomes normalized. And the earlier you talk about it, the the quicker, hopefully, fingers crossed, you can get support, yeah. um, get treatment for it um, and not let it control your life mm-hmm. and not let those people who bullied you own you or have power over you. Thank you. Um, where can people find you? So you can find Vent on most social media platforms. Um, it's at Vent Help UK. So that's V-E-N-T H-E-L-P UK. So it's that's the same handle on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can find the Just Checking In podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. So it's the Just Checking In podcast. Um, we've also got a YouTube channel. That's Vent Help UK as well. Uh, if you need to contact me, if you want to write an article, uh, you can contact the Vent um, social media accounts, drop, drop, us, drop us a DM or just drop me a DM. So I'm on Twitter at Freddie C. So that's F-R-E-D-D-I-E, not with a Y, C, 1994. Nice. Well, thank you so much. You've been amazing. Thank you very much. Really pleasure pleasure having me on.